Welcome to The Untold. In today's episode, we are going to talk about ayahuasca, an extremely powerful drink that is claimed to heal any illness, addictions, and psychological issues. Our guests, Deanna Rogers and Alan Finney, will share their experiences with this medicine. If I tell you that there is a drink in South America that can take away all those inner demons, health problems, insecurities, and mental illness you have been fighting against for years, will you drink it? Well, this drink called ayahuasca has been regarded as a therapeutic brew that can transport you to the deepest parts of your soul and once there, it will heal you. The popularity of this drug grew so much that the Amazon jungle is nowadays a spot of excursion. Researchers suggest that this drug has the ability to cure you from addiction problems, depression, and other illness that affect you. Yeah, my name is Deanna Rogers, and um, I currently live in British Columbia in Canada on the West Coast. Been, I've been working with plant medicines for the last 10 years and then have been, you know, at first it was just a personal exploration. And then uh, in 2013, I moved to Peru and I was working at a, a big ayahuasca center there and during that time as well I also was working with um, Gabramonte and a group of people in Mexico doing retreats uh, and then I moved back to Canada in 2017 I've been focused a lot on um, ayahuasca integration and preparation. And Diana can you explain us uh, what is ayahuasca? Yeah sure so Ayahuasca is um, actually a combination of, of two plants and so um, but it's it's from it's native to South America and so there's a lot of different traditions in um, South America that work with this and so for example you know you're from Colombia they call it yaje uh, ayahuasca is actually a Quechua word and it means the vine of the dead or vine of the soul um, I worked the tradition the Shipibo tradition in Peru, and they call it uni, which means prepared knowledge or prepared, prepared wisdom. And uh, it's a combination of two plants, and it's a psychoactive sub substance. And so there's the ayahuasca vine, and then there's also the, the chacuna is the kind of traditional brew. And then a lot of different traditions will work with it in different ways and on different plants. Uh, there's many groups in Brazil as well that work with it. And the two plants act together basically as a tradition, as a medicine to kind of work on healing the, the mind, body, emotions, and, and soul. So, um, yeah, I feel like many people, and especially here in Canada, are going down to South America, to the Amazon jungle, mm -hmm. to do ayahuasca because there are like many healing properties of this drink, of this brew. So... It's, it's becoming really trendy. So can you explain us how is to drink ayahuasca? How is a, a trip of ayahuasca? Yeah, it's incredibly different for different people. And so I worked at the, the Temple of the Way of Light, which is one of the, the bigger centers outside of Iquitos in Peru. And, um, and so I've seen hundreds of people in my time there and yeah, People even on the in the span of a retreat will have very different experiences, the same person, different nights. And so it can be anything from like a very somatic experience, so very much in the body. Um, some people 
feel like they're not having much experience at all. Um, it can be basically it's you know from the how I understand it from the Shipibos, it's about kind of going in uh, to the body, finding out where their blockages are, kind of on these different levels of the body. So once again, the mind, the body, emotions, and spirit, and starting to kind of open things up and connect things again. And so some people will experience that with very little, some people will experience strong emotions, this kind of more physicality, a lot of shaking in the body. Um, once again, this kind of famous idea of la purga, so the purge. Um, so some people may vomit or have diarrhea. So there's kind of this really intense physical experience. Um, or it can be very gentle. Some people will experience visions. Some people will experience um, these more implicit memories, which are kind of these memories that have been stored in the body generally from earlier childhood. Um, the medicine can kind of go in and open them up and so some people will have kind of kind of insights happen from their life or get kind of a, a different perspective on things that have happened for them in their past and it's a it's a wide wide range and so some people have kind of fantastical visions and journey to other worlds and sometimes it's very simple and practical and so it's it's a really wide spectrum. This is Alan Finney, webmaster of Ayahuasca Canada, who has been drinking this medicine for years and has seen important changes in his life thanks to Ayahuasca. Okay, yeah, my name is Alan Finney. I, I'm the webmaster at ayahuascacanada.com. You know, it's different for everybody. Every, you know, the thing about this medicine is there's an intelligence behind it. The, this is not something where, like, uh, let's say if you have somebody manufactured some LSD or some psilocybin or ecstasy or something, when you take a, a pharmaceutical drug like that, you know, there, there's kind of a, everybody knows what it's going to be like, right? With ayahuasca, there are no two ceremonies that are the same. You, you can sit with a group of people, 20, 30 people, and uh, everybody takes the same ayahuasca and everybody has a different experience. It's uh, the first time you take ayahuasca, ayahuasca looks you up and down all over. Turn, you know, it's like getting to know somebody and then she sets up a game plan for you. So everybody's different and ayahuasca is different for everybody. So after you take the ayahuasca brew, um, you know, something, and <laughs> it can be from 10 minutes to <clears throat> 30 or 40 minutes before you start feeling the effects. And uh, generally it's, it's stronger at the beginning of the ceremony as you, you would expect. And so people will go into vision, they will have visions, they will see, uh, you know, sometimes it's geometric patterns. Sometimes you'll get transported to a different world. And also, I heard that this uh, drink, this uh, this vine, has like some healing properties. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it can heal you from um, psychological things, from drug addiction, from alcoholism. Why, why is this healing? Like, what, what's happening there? Why this? 
drink can help you to overcome these kind of problems? Well, I think if you kind of want to talk about that element, you have to talk about kind of what are those, what are those issues, <laughs> you know? So any form of, in my opinion, um, and this is kind of a lot from the, the lineage of Gabamate, um, any addiction is just in some way a form of an old coping me mechanism to give the body something that it needed to. And so you're looking a lot of and working a lot with this idea of trauma. And so trauma to me and the definition that I go by isn't what happened to people kind of externally. It's an external event that triggers a disconnect from some part of self. And so there's a this idea of working a lot with in Shipibo, it's called rate, and then they translate it in Spanish to, to susto. Uh, and so working on these shocks that people have had in their lives. And so if you have a really talented healer, they can kind of work to start to reconnect these pieces that have been disconnected. And so I think part of the healing impact of this plant is that people start to realize they get a different perspective on maybe some of these illnesses or once again, these coping mechanisms that they've learned to do essentially out of, initially out of a kindness, you know? Maybe someone self-medicates with cannabis or with um, some form of alcohol or some kind of drug as a way to kind of give their system something that they needed. And this is a very different stance on um, addictions and so it's it's really about helping people to understand like what has missing and when was part of that disconnected and so this is what the a lot of the plant can do and another thing is this idea around like depression or anxiety I'd say they're probably two of the, the biggest things that people go there to work with because I feel like they're um, just growing and growing as a society and so if you think about the word depression, like to depress something means to push it down. And so um, once again, culturally, it's really common in the West, this idea that, you know, if you're anything other than happy, <laughs> it's, not, it's not okay to share that, to talk about it. Um, generally, the Western culture is pretty disconnected from their emotions. Um, that's kind of what has just been taught and generally is passed on through the generations. And so once again, if you think about the essence of, of these medicines is to kind of open things up and connect you to what's there, you'll start to move some of these things that might have been blocking you and to connect with that and potentially get a different perspective on it than you've just, the ways you've only been thinking with it or, or dealing with it. Do you feel like you have improve yourself like psychologically uh in terms with with your family like you feel like a better person a better human being thanks to ayahuasca a absolutely i mean uh and th this is i've seen this time time again and it holds true for a lot of people i've seen lots of people come into ceremonies and this one guy in particular 35 year old guy and he says oh my god he says the 35 years before this, what a waste. It's, it's a lot of people, and I measure myself in the same way, before ayahuasca and after ayahuasca. It was, I mean, I'd been raised in a, in a very uh, dysfunctional situation. And 
Um, I'd struggled my whole life. And um, it wasn't until I found this medicine that I found the relief I was looking for. And I was looking for it my whole life. I was, you know, if you talk to people that knew me, I mean, <laughs> I was constantly trying different things and I knew there was something wrong. I couldn't put a name on it, you know, and this, this happens a lot with emotional type of issues. Uh, you, you, you know, you don't like how you are or how things are, but you can't name it and you don't know what to do about it. And like I say, I tried so many things and it wasn't until I found this medicine that I actually found the relief that I was actually looking for. And for a lot of people, like it's very much a calling. Like I always say that people, everybody could benefit from doing ayahuasca. Doing ayahuasca is kind of like, for me, you know, uh, other than the uh, psychological and the mental health benefits, but it's kind of like practicing your, for your own death. Um, ayahuasca has been called the little death and uh, it, it shows you that there, you know it proves to you that there's a world outside of what we normally experience as human beings you know and that uh, it gives you peace of mind for understanding yeah at some point I'm gonna go back there you know it's kind of like having a, having a controlled near-death experience you know yeah. is a small one right. so, yes. how many times have you done ayahuasca uh, around 120 times. Wow. Wow. That's a lot of time. And all the time you see like different experiences, right? More healing and more, um, because I was, when I started taking ayahuasca, I was, uh, 59 years old. And when I started taking it, it was like, okay, it was almost obsessive for me. And I had the opportunity to do a lot of ceremonies because uh, when I, you know, if you just go down to Peru and you do, I don't know, six, seven ceremonies and you have to turn around and come home. But as it turned out, I was able to, I was actually working with a shaman here and, you know, we lived just blocks from each other. So it was, you know, on a Wednesday night, he would say, look at it. I'm going to do a ceremony tonight. Are you interested? I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, Wednesday night, him and I go over there and, and do an ayahuasca ceremony. And to me, it, it was like um, almost obsessive or compulsive, and I kept kept at it, kept at it, kept at it. And then at, at one point, it was like, okay, we're done. And uh, I didn't have, so from, from that point, when I was 63 years old, to uh, eight or nine months later, I didn't do any more ayahuasca, and there was this huge integration process. So um, after you take ayahuasca, like say you go to a single ceremony or, or two or three ceremonies on a weekend or something, right? Um, you wanna make sure that you have time to integrate. Integration is just as important as uh, taking the medicine itself because um, in, in an ayahuasca ceremony, you get a lot of information. There's a lot of things coming at you. It can be pretty intense, right? So you're in a, in a big intense experience. So for the next 10 days, you know, they say 10 days after a ceremony, you know, you try to uh, be contemplative and not, you know, if you can not get back into your regular life and, and have to do a bunch of things. I mean, a lot of people, that's not possible, but if in ideally you would have, you know, 10 days for yourself to where you've got minimal contact with people and that you can work through whatever came up in that ceremony.
have you ever like witnessed like really drastical changes in one person's psychology that for example like this person you knew they they went to the amazon because they had like this psychological problem or this uh health problem and they started doing ayahuasca and then maybe they um fix the problem maybe they over overcame that kind of situation yeah i mean i've seen lots of pretty amazing things and i guess the thing i just want to really highlight here is even you know whatever way you approach this stuff it's work because you're working at trying to change patterns and you're trying to change old behaviors you know often that are rooted in things that have happened for people in their in their childhood and so um you know i have seen miraculous things i've seen someone who you know smoked cigarettes every day for 60 years of their life uh come and drop it overnight um i've seen uh like old body pain and things like this i've seen people heal from particular illnesses i've seen a lot of people have a switch away from depression um i remember there was one person who Uh, had severe depression for their many many years probably 10 or 20 years and uh, started changing their diet about four months before they came and they said even through changing their diet they saw a huge shift in their depression in the preparation and so I guess the one thing that I feel like sometimes people think that you know ayahuasca is going to fix them and I think that can be a really problematic way to show up to this plant because once again it's about a relationship and all of the indigenous healers probably the biggest piece of advice that like i have heard from the ones that i know has been around people need to also put their part in and so this idea of you know getting fixed it, it can happen but i think it's when people are really ready and also really ready to do the work and so that's a big piece of what i do is I help people prepare before they go. Yeah. So to help them get clear about okay, like what's real in my life? Like what how can I start to already think about that? How can I start to like also get curious? You know, sometimes people will say yes, I'm going to do a ayahuasca retreat and things already start to come to the surface for them. And specifically in integration, um this is where a lot of people will have struggle like a lot of struggle and so sometimes people will say at a retreat yeah I'm healed and then they go back to their life they spend time with their family and then all the same stuff gets triggered and so what I find ayahuasca can really support people to do is to have some space around it where before they would have just reacted and you know gone down the same patterns of behaviors reactions and then it, this is about giving people that the space to respond and so this is kind of this idea of responsibility it's like the ability to respond to what's happening in the present moment and so not getting caught into all the kind of old patterning around the past of you know the interpretations the the beliefs around what is happening it's about actually being present to what's what's happening so um i've seen many amazing things just to come back to your original question um but it requires work <laughs> and it requires commitment. Yeah, and before that you mentioned uh advices and preparation, right? So mm -hmm. what kind of uh, advices you give to people before doing an ayahuasca retreat? 
Yeah, there's a lot of different layers. So one is that ayahuasca is not for everyone. Um, and so there's some, you know, some psychological conditions or some circumstances like really active addictions or really active suicidal thinking um, that, you know, aren't, aren't probably the, the best fit um, for that moment. And so I'd say first just check out if, if it's a fit in terms of are you taking medications, there's some contraindications, or even some supplements, there's contraindications. So there's just like that kind of gross level of making sure it's the right time. Another thing that I really, um, so I'll, I'll do the screening calls for the, the temple. And, um, you know, when I talk to people, I'm like, are you ready for things to fall apart? Because sometimes wow. when you take these, these okay. plant medicines, yeah, it's like, are you just going because you want to feel better? Or are you going to actually like feel and get in touch with what's there? Because you never know, <laughs> you never know how it's going to go. And it's this kind of idea of the shadow. It's like you're going in and you're using a tool to bring things up from your shadow. Um, and that could mean, especially if there's been a history of like repressing feelings or there's been a history of trauma. Um, you know, people will have these big waves. This is a very common experience in the integration. We'll have these really strong waves of, of feelings come afterwards that can last for months. And so, you know, that can be really hard for people if they have been really used to kind of medicating and suppressing them for their whole life. And so it's like, yeah, are you, are you willing to for things to fall apart a little bit? And some people say, yes. I said, yeah, I know that, that that's what it may take and I'm willing to do that. And some people say, no, that idea like scares the crap out of me. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not ready. <laughs> um, another thing I, I really look for is support network. And so when someone, cause it's basically you're trying to understand like how their body and their system deals with stress. And so do they have people they talk to or will they just isolate if things kind of, once again, if things do fall apart so having people they can talk to friends family uh, potentially a professional um, so just kind of who you know who's there to kind of hold them and support them um, and then there's kind of the the dieta so dieta, yeah. the, the diet in the preparation and this is this can be you know, once again, it varies from, from tradition to tradition. And some groups have very little concept of, of preparation, but the Shipibo healers that I have mostly worked with have a very strong practice of this, the preparation. And so sometimes it's for two weeks before, um, you know, abstaining from a lot of, so this is once again, where it's important to check in with medications so, because some medications need to be out of your system for months beforehand. Um, but the basics are around, you know, sex, drugs, alcohol, pork, and then things like fat, salt, dairy, sugar. And really, you know, the intention of this is a lot around helping to clean the body so that the, the plants can you know, the word they use is penetrate your system more deeply. So, you know, when they're, when you're working with this, this, it's a sacrament, you know, of this, of this plant, um, that it can kind of go in 
and do the deeper work so that it's not just working on cleaning out the bad food you've been eating <laughs> over this last period yeah. of time. Um, so there's there's kind of the preparation on that level, and so there's even um, getting curious around what you're consuming by media and music, and um, and so the, the the process is to really just to to get more sensitive, to be more aware of what is happening in your body, how you react to things. And it's also, they say, to weaken the body again so that the plants can go can go more deeply into your into your system. Um, and then there's another component when I when I do one-to-one work with people, it's around a lot around this idea of intention. And this can be really important because it can kind of, and I, I, I feel like in the preparation period, so people will start to dream of, like even if they've never worked with the plants, sometimes they'll start to dream or sometimes they'll have conflicts come up or some, sometimes an unresolved conflict from the past will start to come up. Sometimes people won't notice that much. Once again, it's a huge spectrum. Um, but I think there can be this active listening process that starts to happen in terms of, oh, all of a sudden I'm noticing this quality about my relationships or all of a sudden I'm noticing all this fear. And it's to start to kind of get curious. Okay, well, what's there for me? Like what, what's wanting my attention? And this intention is kind of something you can you can start to build and start to actually work on and practice before you go to a retreat uh and then it's something that you like i really encourage people to work with intention with the plans yeah like as well. like planning something before you go in there like something you want to change from your soul from your soul right yeah and so you know or even like this idea of of changing something it's for me it's a lot about okay like how do i get a better relationship with it so fear for example like help me with my fear uh, fear is a really normal part of being being human and from an animal level actually you need it as an instinct um but when it's really out of balance in someone's system that can cause a lot of this like being close to the world being afraid to do certain things a lot of self-doubt you know and so it's about how do i how do i understand and potentially have compassion for how this fear got so out of balance and so it's about like where do i want to put my intention and um a friend of mine tanya kamonen she talked about this idea of like a, a double intention so sometimes there there's an intention that might be at the surface and then sometimes there's one that maybe we're actually like a bit ashamed of or you know scared to say out loud that we kind of just feel on this on this deeper level so it can just be a way to show up you know you imagine you're showing up to a teacher and you're saying this is what i want to learn and he's like well or I, if you just say i want to learn versus i want to learn about this particular part of my life well. So some people will say, I just want to go in, I'm open to learn what I want to learn. If that is what feels right to people, I, I really encourage people to go with that. Or sometimes you may say, well, I'm, I'm addicted to alcohol and I want, to, I want to get more curious about that. And so how can I, can I start to bring my, my attention to it? And 
you know, I really encourage people as much as we can because usually we're very judgmental and critical of ourselves, <laughs> let alone the world. Um, but, you know, part of the shift of these plants is a, I see is around like shifting um, into more of a curiosity versus this kind of default of the critic or the judge or... Um, and so, you know, I, I think that's part of what can happen. And I think that's part of what can start to happen in the preparation as well. I'm actually concerned a little bit is uh, picking someone who is not a shaman. Mm -hmm. you know, because there are so many people sometimes, yeah, I know how to make how to make the ayahuasca drink, but they're actually no shamans. And some people just want to make some money out of that. Mm -hmm. How to pick a good shaman? How to know who is a person capable of conducting a ritual? Yeah, I'm really happy you asked that, Sebastian. Um, yeah, ask questions <laughs> is my first thing. Um, you know, if someone's not willing to tell you where they've trained and for how long, and because I, I know there's a lot of people working with in Canada, even though it's not legal here. I mean, I don't, I don't personally serve ayahuasca, and I've, I've studied in that tradition for a long time, but I it's a huge responsibility mm -hmm. <laughs> and this is where because it's basically like you're opening yourselves up and you want someone to be able to kind of hold that field and that that you know it's a it's a huge responsibility to to serve these medicines and so asking questions about training um, different traditions have different forms of apprenticeship and so I think From what I understand in Colombia, I think it's a lot around you apprentice with someone who is a, a healer. And so someone who has like is a taita and has a lot of years of experience. Um, in the Shipibo tradition, they do a lot of where you, they have this process of dieta where you study with different plants. And so sometimes people will do a year long dieta where they're having no social contact, they're in isolation, no sex, no, you know, the most basic food. Um, and this process is about really, you know, it's a process of breaking the self down to really develop, they call it in, in Shipibo, this kano, which is a channel um, to the spirits, to the plants, to themselves. And it's about cleaning as much of their own stuff out of the way. And so that can be as, as clear as possible. And so I've heard a lot of horror stories of people sitting in the West, uh, where I think a lot of it is about that the healers, you know, had some training, but um, maybe not at a high level. And so especially if you have a history of, of trauma, um, my suggestion is to go and find a very skilled healer. And so yep. the questions are around like, what plants do they use? Anyone who's just really focused on giving you ayahuasca rather than your healing and treatment. Um, that's also a big red flag for me. It's like, there's a lot of different, once again, traditionally, there's a lot of different plants that can use that can support your healing. And even many traditions, In the past, it would be the, the curanderos that would, or the healers that would drink and ingest the plants and the patients wouldn't. And they would just go and they would journey and get the information they needed and potentially other, other plants that they could work with. What is the music? What is the ambience? 
that kind of things that people may be interested in? Sure. Um, once again, there's like a lot of different traditions. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a broken record with that. But, uh, yeah, so a lot of them will do different. So the, the Shapiro style, um, it's very much about actually like from getting the plants all the way to the cooking. Um, so usually traditionally when, when someone would cook medicine, they would be fasting, they would be singing to the medicine. Uh, they have to be really kind of clean with their diet around that time. So, you know, this is also part of the care that goes into that process. And then the actual ceremony itself, you know, is a possible, um, it starts with this idea of singing into the medicine. And so they're, they call it in Shipibo, these Icaros. And so an Icaro is their, their chants that they sing. And uh, so they start by singing to the medicine, people will drink. Uh, and then usually in every healer that I've sat with, there's a period of, of silence just for kind of the effects of the medicine to, to come in. And then generally there's a kind of a creating the container of the, of the space energetically through the songs that they sing. And then uh, there's a process of working on the, both the individual and also the larger the larger energies in the space. Um, and the chants in, in Shipibo are, are basically, this is what, what they get on their, their dietas and their studies from the different plants. They get ikaros from these, these different plants. And so they'll get melodies, but the words change based on what's happening. So it's kind of like they're freestyling based on what they're seeing, what needs to happen. And they're working with these different plant doctors that they're calling in to kind of help and support. And so different plant doctors will have a different um, quality or a different part of the body or some are really good for the mind or some are really good for helping to connect the spirit. Um, some are really good at working with emotions. And so they'll, they'll sit and use these, these ikaros and um, sing to the individuals. And then after a period of time, usually there's some silence. Uh, then they'll kind of close the ceremony. But, you know, in, in Brazil, for example, with Santo Daime, it's a very different thing. They have a hymn book. <laughs> it's a combination of Christianity. Uh, there's a huge influence from, from African, uh, different kind of gods and goddesses and entities. Uh, there's also a big indigenous part and so it's it's very much brazil in a lot of ways um and they they have a hymn book they dance it's in the daytime often uh there's instruments <laughs> and so it's a very very different ceremony um and then once again based on the tradition some i know in in peru there's some quechua traditions and they'll use a lot more instruments uh, how about the puking? Some people are concerned about puking a lot during the ayahuasca ritual and they are concerned about this. Like, yeah, imagine if you are, you know, super tripping and then you are puking a lot. What happens here? Well, I always tell people 
whatever it's getting out of your body, you probably don't want it in there. <laughs> and there's this whole idea in, you know, even if you think about if you have the flu or you get food poisoning, you know, your body's trying to get that poisoning out of your body right. because that's actually the thing that's good for you. And so I think there's this whole idea of like getting sick when people think about this idea of vomiting, but um, it's, it's this idea of actually getting better. And so it's the, the plants kind of go in and find whatever is like dense, dense energy in your, in your system. And it's about vomiting that out. And so uh, whatever comes out, you, you probably don't want it to be, <laughs> to be in there and, uh, one one past guest said to me once, you know, I always think about it, thought about it, that think about all the things I've swallowed in my life that I shouldn't have. And it's a process of getting getting that that out. And so a lot of people feel really worried about it. And there's there's so many different ways of purging. So purging is a part of the medicine and actually it's usually more associated with the, the vine. And so once again, ayahuasca is the vine and chacroon is the, the leaf of the, the two plants of the brew. And so it's often, so some people will actually just work with the vine, which is very much the somatic part, the, the purging parts, the, this kind of essence of the, of the medicine. And a lot of people say that that's enough. Like you don't actually need the chacruna, which gives you the more kind of visions and, they say it has kind of a light quality to it. Um, but yeah, people will shake, people will yawn, people will go have diarrhea, people will laugh, people will cry, people will experience um, a huge maybe amount of fear or anger. You know, these are all different ways of, of purging. And it's once again, this idea of giving movement to the things that have been stuck and trapped in the system uh, sometimes for many, many years. How about you? Are you planning to go back to the Amazon jungle anytime soon when you're waiting a little bit longer? Well, currently no one's going anywhere <laughs> with COVID. <laughs> um, yeah, Peru seems to be just as strict as Colombia with the borders. Um, yeah, I mean, I told you, we chatted before the interview. I have a I have a daughter now, and so my life is is based in Canada. I went back in in February, and I facilitated a a women's retreat, which was a huge honor. And it's a that's a passion of mine is working with women uh, with these medicines. And yeah, as for now, I'm I'm here, but but working online and still feel very very connected with the the plants that's the that's the thing you know these plants once you work with them they're they're there they're always there for you special thanks to diana rogers and alan finney who gently accepted my invitation to this episode thank you so much for listening i'll see you later